You're listening to the Private Practice Workshop Podcast. I'm your host, John Clark, helping you get more clients, make more money, and master private practice. And in this episode, we're talking about exactly what I would do if I had to start all over again, meaning if I had to start a private practice completely from scratch, these are the exact things I would do. So by the end of this episode, you're going to walk away with the exact steps I would take, the things I would ignore, the three books I would read, the habits I would form early on, and exactly where I would spend my money. Now, some quick announcements before we get into the main part of the show. The first announcement is a big one. We've rebranded. We've gone back to a private practice workshop as a brand, and this, I promise, this is the final change. Um, the, the short story is that the answer um, is in the numbers. The reason why we did it is in the numbers. So, um, a, a while back, we launched uh, uh, my personal brand, and uh, we renamed the podcast um, once we re- once we launched that personal brand. Now, it did two things, two really interesting things that I think I learned from, and then you can learn from as well. On one hand, it made my warm audience warmer. So, in other words, the people that already knew about me, they really liked it. They felt uh, closer to me and my brand. So, it made that warm audience warmer. On the other hand, it started to uh, kind of slow the growth of our cold audience, meaning people who've never heard about us. So, um, again, the answer's in the numbers. We have to go with what's in the numbers. So, we're back under the Private Practice Workshop brand, renaming the podcast. We're back at privatepracticeworkshop.com. That's where you can find everything related to uh, the brand, this show, our services and offerings, etc. Whereas um, the personal brand at thejohnclark.com is going to be more of like a portfolio brand or a portfolio site, um, kind of uh, showing showing you kind of vaguely the, the, the work I do and the different kind of uh, things that I offer. So, Some other announcements, we're going to be bringing more structure to our episodes so that you can get even more value than before. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I do like to go off the cuff sometimes, but I also want to make sure that I get to the point and that I offer you something really, really, really really valuable. Um, Your time is super valuable, and so I want to make sure I honor that, and I want to make sure that we have enough structure to to help you learn and also enough opportunity to, to have fun and be spontaneous. So we're going to be bringing more structure than before. It's going to be kind of a blend of about three solo episodes for every one guest episode. You're still going to get weekly episodes coming out uh, right now every Wednesday, Um, but that's going to be kind of the blend that we're looking at. Um, The um, the the other thing is your feedback is always really really appreciated. When you guys reach out to me, whether it's um, by email or in comments or um, on YouTube, uh, Insta, uh, uh, iTunes reviews, wherever it is, I really really love hearing from you guys. With that being said, we're also going to be introducing kind of a new uh, component or segment to this show, which is. Each episode, I'm going to try to do a listener shout out. So just kind of um, a shout out to someone who's listening and someone who has gotten in touch or left a review or left some feedback. So the first shout out is coming from Julia Murtha on iTunes. Julia said, uh, John has the most accessible, relatable voice in the world of private practice coaching. He brings the humanness to the hard work that we do. I look forward to listening to his podcast each week. It gives me a sense of coming home. Thank you, John. 
Um, this is an extremely nice review. It's uh, uh, kind of amazing um, to get a review like that. It makes everything that I do um, totally worth it. So Julia, thank you for this uh, review. And again, we just wanted to give you a shout out. We so appreciate you listening to the show and following along. And uh, I've really enjoyed the, the interactions that I've had with you. Um, so <clears throat> the other thing is, you know, we've been doing this now for exactly two years. Uh, some, uh, a reminder popped up on Facebook yesterday that we've been doing this for two years. So that's kind of incredible as well. And a lot's changed. Um, we're just coming off of a break or kind of a hiatus from content overall, um, because I just needed one. I'd been doing it at least weekly, if not twice a week, for almost two years <clears throat> with really no break. And we have to give ourselves a break, especially when it comes to something that has this kind of creative component. Um, so we took a break and now we're we're going to roll into what is kind of like seasons of the podcast. So you could consider this the start of a new season. Let's get right into our topic for the day uh, and waste no more time. Um, so again, we're talking about exactly what I would do if I had to start over again. I've heard some other podcasters and um, you know entrepreneurs doing an episode like this, and I really appreciated it because the reality is the things that you know that I talk about and share are in part based on what I'm thinking about right now, what I recently learned, and kind of a culmination of all the things I learned. But it it is, you know, an interesting question to think about what exactly what I do and in what order if I were to start all over again. And in this case, if I were to start a private practice again, um, I've I've built and scaled two practices. Um, one of which I sold back in April, uh, my group practice. So, um, the, the, in the second time I built a practice, um, I had a much, much better idea of what to do and when to do it, uh, than I did the first time around. But, um, needless to say, everything I've learned, uh, and the challenges of, of building two practices, um, are, that's where the learning for me has really happened. And that's what has given me, you know, things to teach to you guys. So, Without further ado, let's get into it. So the first thing I would do, you're not going to be surprised by this, is I would find a guide. <laughs> and I'm not just saying this because I'm a coach or consultant. I'm saying this because there are a lot of people who've done what you're trying to do right now. And finding a guide of some sort, and this could be paid or otherwise, this could be a mentor, this could be a therapist um, in your area who really knows what they're doing. This could even be another kind of business owner. In fact, when I was just starting out, um, I had some free mentorship from a uh, someone through like the Small Business Association. I think it was called SCORE, where you can get like a small business mentor. He had done like restaurants and um, retail and stuff like that. But he was a really, really fantastic resource early on just to get me thinking about business and learning um, how to look at a profit and loss statement and things like that um, that were, you know, not specific to private practice, but were universal to um, any kind of business. So I highly recommend finding a guide. I think if you're going to pay someone for their help, you're going to get more help or better help. They're going to be more accountable to you and vice versa. So if you can hire a coach or consultant, do it from the very beginning. It's going to pay off um, very, very soon. The next thing I would do is make a plan to get clients. You know, if you've been listening for a while that I don't think the hardest part of running a practice 
or building a practice is finding an office or leasing an office or, um, you know, getting business cards or getting a phone number, setting up an EHR. Um, I, I don't think those are the hard things of setting up a business or getting an LLC. Um, those are necessary things. Those can be tedious. They can be a little bit time intensive. They're things that you haven't done before. And a lot of them are things that you're just going to do once at the beginning of your practice. But if you don't have clients, then you don't have a practice right? Let's say you have, if you have a big storefront and you have a bunch of inventory and you're selling clothes or something like that, well, you don't really have a business yet until you have people coming in the door to buy what you have to offer. So I think too many therapists place too little emphasis on this early on and they end up really suffering as a result. You need to make a plan to get clients very early on. In fact, this is the thing where I would pour most of your time and attention in starting your practice. The way I did this um, when I moved from the West Coast to the East Coast is I basically started a website. I I built a a simple but really effective and uh, compelling website on Squarespace. And I basically got that website Uh, started getting it up and in front of people looking for a therapist in my new area. Um, And I did that even about six months before I moved to my new area. Now, if I needed to get full in about 30 days or less, well, what I would do right now is I would create some really highly focused landing pages and I would get them in front of paid traffic, people searching for a therapist right now, and I'd have a really healthy budget. So some money that I would spend otherwise on um, uh, rent or like a really fancy couch or really uh, fancy or expensive website, I would actually kind of bypass all of that. And uh, I would focus on getting some really nice landing pages in front of um, paid traffic of people looking for a therapist right now. Within those pages, I would create, um, I would write some copy that is simple, plain language, and speaks to the before and after of my offering. And this is again, a, a this is kind of a universal business thing that anyone could benefit from if you're just trying to learn some copywriting basics. So the words that you're going to put on your website or in any of your marketing collateral. So how do we speak to the before and after of our work? Well, the before is essentially the pain points, right? It's what's going on for your client or potential client right now. So um, sometimes even doing that in the form of a nice bulleted list is a very good way to do that, given that so many clients uh, just skim websites now. So you could do a bulleted list of kind of what's going on now, thoughts that they find themselves thinking, feelings they're feeling, things that are happening in their lives right now as it relates to your service. And then I would speak to the after. So again, maybe another bulleted list that speaks to um, how a client can think and feel and be how, how their life can be after working with you. Right? So again, let me just break that down a little bit further. And, and you have to understand how powerful this is. This is, this is not rocket science, but this is very, very powerful. It's a powerful approach to your copy. Just speaking to the before and after of your work. And the last thing is you position yourself in the middle, right? So you kind of establish the problem through listing out pain points, which also helps you develop some rapport with your potential client. 
you position yourself in the middle as part of the solution, right? So you introduce yourself and how you can help, maybe a little bit about your background. And then you go into, again, the after, kind of the benefits and outcomes of what you're offering. This really simple framework is essentially how I would personally sell almost anything, right? Um, And at this point in my career, I sell lots of different things, whether it's um, my training program or a mastermind group or a, a static product, you know, a digital product or something like that. This is effectively how I would sell something, all right? So I hope that's helpful to kind of get you started. <clears throat> now, the next thing I would do is I would sublease an office. I think too many therapists go into private practice and they rent an office and they have a bunch of overhead too soon. And they also don't have enough money left over for their marketing costs. So <clears throat> they get an office, they fill it with expensive furniture or furniture they can't afford. So they put it on a credit card. And then they end up working from a deficit, right? So you have all these um, these empty hours in an office, in this empty office, and you have even more pressure to get clients. I think this is the wrong way of doing it. I think you need to grow with your business rather than ahead of your business. So I always recommend subleasing an office right off the bat, and then you can slowly grow with your caseload as it grows and eventually make that leap to getting your own office. Okay. Moving on, the next thing I would do is when I'm setting my fees, well, I would set my fees based on what I want to earn, right? So I would actually kind of reverse engineer my fees. And uh, maybe we'll run through this really quickly for those of you who haven't done it before. Um, But this is effectively what I would do. And if you want to pull out a piece of paper or something, we could kind of do this together. I'll pull out a piece of paper too. Effectively, what you do is you take the amount of money that you want to take home at the end of the day. So let's just say for, for this example, that's $100,000 a year. I'm going to take that number, $100,000, and I'm going to add about 30% roughly for expenses and taxes. Now, it's going to be more or less than this depending on a lot of factors, but just for a nice um, even number, that's going to make it $130,000. From there, I'm going to figure out how many weeks per year do I want to work. Let's say you want to take off four weeks per year, so that would be 48 weeks. Okay, so now I'm going to divide 130,000 by 48, and I'm going to have to use my uh, I'm going to have to use my web browser to do this because I don't have my phone. So 130 thousand dollars divided by 48 weeks. That means you need to be generating 2,708 dollars per week. Okay, and we're almost done with this equation. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to simply take that number and divide it by how many clients per week you want to see. Now let's just say 20 for that. So we're going to take 2,708 dollars divided by 20. That's going to give us our exact fee, and what do you know? It's a nice, uh, it's a nice round number almost at one hundred and thirty-five dollars, well, and forty-two cents, something like that. So, <clears throat> if you're wondering, for instance, how to get to hundred grand or how to take home hundred grand, well, you need to generate at least one hundred and thirty. If you want to take off four weeks per year, working forty-eight weeks a year, then you need to generate about. per week. 
And if you're seeing 20 people a week, that's $135 per session. So you also see how attainable that is. And you see that we did this math based on something, <laughs> not just kind of based on nothing or based on what your neighbor is charging. So, um, <clears throat> you know, you can always pause this and go back if you want to run those numbers again, but it's a really good way to figure out what your fees should be. With that being said, I would also charge about 20 to, to $50 more than I'm comfortable with. Or in this case, I would actually charge between 20 to $50 more than that number. So <clears throat> if that number is $135, I would add about 20 to 50 onto that. So my fee would be more like 155, um, something like that, maybe, maybe even more, right? Um, 185, something like that based on these numbers. Okay. The next thing I would do is I would learn about personal finance. This is something I really wish I did early on and something that I did maybe about a year or two into being a business owner. The reason I'm talking about this and I'm not claiming to be a personal finance expert by any means, I'm not, that's not what this show is becoming <laughs> by any means, but it's something I do want to start talking about more because what I'm finding in all the therapists I've worked with is that typically when there's financial issues, cash flow issues, people are spending too much and not earning enough or they're, they're spending more than they're earning in their business, usually that means that that same effect is happening in their personal finances, right? So when a business has debt or a business, for instance, is spending more than they're earning, I often find that that's exactly what's happening at home as well. So when, when I work with therapists or when you work with me, I'm actually going to help you address both because you need to address both. You could start making all sorts of more money, you know, a, a lot more money in your practice, but if you're not managing that money appropriately at home and not actually becoming more wealthy um, in your personal finances, then everything we're doing to help your business or fix your business is really not going to work, right? It's not going to actually have an impact on your life. So how would I learn personal finance? Well, I'm just going to point you to a couple really easy places that have helped me tremendously. One is reading a book called The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. That's the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. This was probably the first personal finance book I ever read. And in reality, it's kind of the only one you need, in my opinion. Um, Dave is essentially going to walk you through um, what he calls the baby steps for his financial uh, approach, his personal finance approach. Sorry, I had to drink some water there. Um, these baby steps are essentially going to help you, first of all, get out of debt if you have any. They're going to help you develop um, what he calls an emergency fund. They're going to help you figure out exactly how much you should be saving and investing into retirement. And they're basically going to teach you that, the, that credit cards are the root of all evil and you need to cut up all your credit cards. Now, this is something I actually feel pretty strongly about and something I did. The reality is a credit card is a loan. And so every time you charge that credit card, even if it's you know, $7 for a sandwich, you're taking out a small loan. You're spending someone else's money. What happens is it's a slippery slope. And when you spend someone else's money, you're kind of slow to pay it off. The other thing is that statistically people spend more money when it's on a credit card versus a debit card, right? It's the difference between, ah, we'll pay this off later. Let's get the bigger TV now because we'll just pay it off or pay it off, you know, you know, per month or whatever, pay the minimum. This is a terrible way to approach your personal finances. It's also, 
when you use a credit card like that, you don't really feel the purchase. You don't feel like the pain of the purchase and you actually need to. I think this is a very psychological effect and something that has been powerful for me is actually when you buy that really expensive TV and you pay cash for it or use your debit card, meaning that money comes out of your account immediately, you really feel that purchase. And the more you feel your purchases, the better connection you have to your money. It's just, it's the same as if you were to like pull out, you know, that $800 in cash and look at it and hand it over to buy that TV versus oh, I'll just put it on the credit card. It's the same in your business. And again, I'm not going to go too much into this because you could argue for credit cards and you could say, well, I use mine wisely. I always pay it off on time, et cetera. We use the points for stuff. Great. That's, that's fine. Do that. If that works for you, great, go for it. But in general, this is, I, I really, you know, believe, um, uh, strongly in Dave Ramsey's model. And it's based on a lot of research and having helped like millions of people through his program. So, um, again, especially given that as therapists, we come from a place of usually not making a lot of money, sometimes having some debt from school or graduate school, et cetera, um, that I think it's even more important to address this part and to cut out your credit card habit. Um, <clears throat> so I would follow his baby steps that are listed there in the total money makeover. That's his book. Uh, a way you can get this information for free is, I would say in combination with reading or listening to that book, you can listen to his podcast, The Dave Ramsey Show, where he talks with like live listeners. It's a pretty good show. So I like that a lot. So that's what I would do. I would learn personal finance before I uh, focus too much on growing and scaling my business and develop really good habits with your money. All right. You guys with me here? Um, <clears throat> take a little pause here. And I will say, a side note without it going on a tangent, I'm really excited to be back. It's really, um, it, it's a little nerve wracking in a way to be back um, after being out of the groove here for a number of weeks. We were out for like seven or more weeks, um, but it's really good to be back and I'm kind of getting over the hump of you know, what it's like to be behind the microphone again and behind the microphone, sitting here in my office, looking out and talking to, you know, in this case, thousands of therapists, but uh, only just sitting here in my office alone. So that's always a weird thing. But anyway, it's good to be back. Okay. So the next thing I would do, well, sorry, just to, to go back and recap what we've talked about so far, things I would do, find a guide, make a plan to get clients, sublease an office, um, set your fees based on your income goal and charge 20 to $50 more than you're worth. You're, you're comfortable with not than you're worth. Well, yeah, than you think you're worth learn personal and learn personal finance. That's what we've covered so far. We've got one, two, three, four more points to go. The next thing I would do is I would read no more than about two to three business books to start. And I'm actually just going to give you two business books. So we already mentioned Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover, which is like a personal finance book, but also lots of um, implications for business. But I'm just going to recommend two business books today. And the reality is I think some people go and they read tons of books to start or tons of business books to start. I think that's one way to do it. But I think that also puts you at the risk of becoming information bloated as we say on this show, and not being able to implement. So the two books I'm going to recommend are Blue Ocean Strategy and The Personal MBA. Blue Ocean Strategy is effectively a marketing book. If I had to just pick one marketing book, it would be this one. Um, Blue Ocean Strategy 
um, basically introduces the idea of what they call category design, which is basically like being the only in a market, being the only one like you in a market. Um, it's, it's just a great marketing book. It's very, uh, it's, it's very reachable and um, some really powerful concepts. So I'd recommend Blue Ocean Strategy. That really changed the way that I think about marketing uh, overall. The next one I would read, and I'm actually uh, only about halfway through this one, so, um, but I'm recommending it anyway because it's been so sh- like shockingly good. I was actually telling my wife last night um, that I wish we had, I wish I had read this book way early on, like a long time ago, because it has, it has high level business concepts in it that are taught at an MBA level without going into the nitty gritty, because a lot of times you don't even need to know the nitty gritty just to, to be kind of the daily operator of a business. However, everything from like different business models to pricing, marketing essentials, um, uh, kind of the psychology of marketing and sales, um, uh, a lot about like testing an idea, testing the market, market research. It's just been amazing so far. You might find it a little dry, but it's just straight to the point. And even in the first like few chapters, it's already been really, 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 really um, amazing for me. So that's the personal MBA. Um, and we can, we can also put links to these in the show notes. So Blue Ocean Strategy and the Personal MBA. I would start with those two business books while you're kind of setting things up, becoming a business owner, going through, you know, a lot of the kind of startup phase of running a private practice or starting a practice. And I'm going to give you a bonus book. This is not a business book. (laughs) This is a clinical book. And if I had to recommend one clinical book for you out of all that are out there, and I do love reading clinical books and I still read a lot of clinical books, it would be The Gift of Therapy by Irvin Yalom. I got this book, I think, like as a gift right after graduate school. And granted, yes, I was trained psychodynamically uh, and interpersonally, so I'd already studied a ton of Yalom. But this book really helped me be prepared to manage the relationship, the therapy relationship, better than any book I'd had so far or any kind of training I'd had so far. It's uh, it's a very uh, it's bite-sized kind of digestible bits about basically the therapy relationship and using some interpersonal process in therapy. But um, I give this gift to therapists very frequently, especially new therapists. And again, your ability to manage the therapeutic relationship is actually going to have a lot to do with your success in private practice or lack of success in private practice. So those are my three books, two business books and a bonus uh, clinical book, The Gift of Therapy by Irvin Yalom. Uh, fun fact, when I first moved out to San Francisco, I had the chance to, um, to train with Irvin Yalom's son, Victor Yalom, uh, for a few years in one of his small consulting groups doing interpersonal process and kind of existential therapy. And another fun fact is my personal therapist when I lived in San Francisco was, um, one of Irvin Yalom's best friends and one of his, uh, kind of protégés. So that was really neat as well. So I kind of got a taste of that world. And then I met Irvin Yalom really briefly at ACA. <laughs> I skipped the line. Um, they had this ridiculous like system where you, if you showed up early and got like a, 
a blue ticket or something, you could actually go and meet Yalom. And then we all got our blue tickets and then they changed their minds at the last minute or something. They're like, well, now you have to have just bought one of his books and have the blue ticket or something. And, um, I ended up, I was like so determined to meet Yalom that I ended up, uh, what was it? Or maybe I didn't have the ticket. I had a book, but I didn't have the blue ticket. They only gave the blue ticket to like 20 people. So, um, this is like kind of outlandish and something I wouldn't, I don't do a lot, but I did it this day where I got in line and I waited the whole time. And then I got to the front and when they finally asked me, they said, okay, do you have your book and your receipt? And I said, yeah, my book and my receipt right here. And she said, do you have the blue ticket? And I opened up the book as if to look for it. And then I just played panicked. I played, uh, I played really dumb and I was like, oh no, oh my gosh, it must've fallen out. Where's my blue ticket? I, I, I had it. I had it. And I was looking at her like, oh my gosh, help me, help me. You know, I just had it. And Yalom was like four feet away. And <laughs> she was like, uh, she was like calming me down. She was like, okay, okay, just relax. Okay. We'll figure it out. Um, okay. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I just had it. I don't know where it is. I, I had my blue ticket. Like I have to meet Yalom. And then she was like, okay, just don't make a scene. Just come on through, come through the line. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I never had a blue ticket. So, um, so that's how I met Yalom. <laughs> and it was worth it. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't do things like that unless, you know, unless it's, uh, the stakes are high. And in this case they were. <laughs> so anyway, okay, let's get back into it. Uh, this is my blend between structured and, uh, and spontaneous. <laughs> I hope you like that. Um, the next point I want to make is uh, you need to learn how to handle um, uh, client inquiry calls, like client initial inquiries. This is something that I think is a real skill and requires kind of a delicate hand and also a, a somewhat uh, of, a, of a structure in order to really do it well. Here's kind of my flow for handling uh, uh, handling initial calls. And if you're if you're in uh, my program fully booked, if you're a student of my program fully booked, then you already know this and you already have uh, our call scripts for this. Um, but if you don't, here's here's kind of a vague outline of, of what we do. When you have a new client inquiry call, you, you roughly, you gather information about what's going on and you accurately reflect that you understand what's going on. You confirm their decision to reach out. You explain how you've helped someone like them in the past. And then you state your fees plainly and offer no more than two slots to them. So again, just kind of high level view of how I handle those calls and how I teach therapists to handle those calls. That's effectively um, what we do and kind of the flow that we um, that we go through when we handle those calls. Or when you have your, your VA handle those calls, we kind of modify that a little bit. Um, but we know that this this approach to handling those calls works really well and we know exactly the the conversion number for how, how these calls convert for us. So got to learn how to handle those initial client inquiries because your marketing can be working really well um, in getting people to your front door, so to speak. But if you don't know how to finally, you know, invite them into your house, so to speak, then, um, then all your marketing is going to be for nothing. So, all right. The next thing, second to last thing is learn how to set expectations with your clients in the very beginning. This is really, really important. So now that you've, you know, let's say your marketing is working, you know how to convert on those initial client inquiries and you're getting good clients, good fit clients for your practice. Well, then you need to learn how to set expectations in the beginning 
um, to, to, to ensure that the client onboarding process into your practice is smooth and effective and gives them confidence and also is going to help you retain clients. So the first thing I would say is I recommend having a 48-hour cancellation policy rather than a 24. Uh, 48 hours is, is going to give you more time to figure out whether you can fill that slot again. And it's also going to result in a lot less cancellations overall. When it's 24 hours, you're going to get a lot more cancellations. I know this, again, because I've worked with a lot of therapists, and we know what these rates are. So 48-hour cancellation policy, except in the case of emergency. If they do cancel, you know, then you will charge their card. And there's really nothing more to it than that. And I think you should charge your full fee. I would suggest weekly or bi-weekly slots only. In fact, with any client that starts out, I would I would suggest that you start with them um, coming weekly. I think it's really hard otherwise to fill a practice and to do it consistently if you have if you have people coming bi-weekly straight from uh, the start. So I, I suggest that you just kind of set that policy early on and you only allow either weekly or bi-weekly clients. Um, this is, this is also going to give you a lot more predictability in your revenue and in your weekly schedule. I always start people weekly. And then eventually I say, you know, you can, you'll have the option of going bi-weekly later after let's say eight to 12 sessions, only if we can find someone to kind of share that slot with you, that alternating slot. So that way you're not working weird hours, you know, week to week. And then finally, I would monitor my own retention and attrition. And um, again, this is something that fully booked students know how to do, and they have a tool to do this. Um, but I would monitor my own retention and attrition to see, you know, if I'm working really hard to get these clients, how long are they actually staying? Am I doing a good job of keeping them, of helping them get positive results? And then also how much, how many clients in general am I losing? Especially if you're a group practice owner, you really need to be monitoring these numbers. The last thing I'll say is I would track all metrics really closely. So I would track all of what I call KPIs or key performance indicators. One of our most popular episodes is about the life. It's called the life-changing magic of KPIs, key performance indicators. That's a little ways back in the podcast. I don't know exactly which episode, but you could find it. Um, that is something that I would um, that I would start doing very early on. Um, I think a lot of times people wait too long to start doing this, and they're really frustrated um, when they don't know their numbers. Um, so, sorry, this is looking back to episode forty-two, the life-changing magic of KPIs, back May 9th, two thousand eighteen. Uh, popular episode. It's only twenty minutes long, so you could check that out after today's episode if you want. The reality is, if you don't know your numbers and you don't make it a habit to track your numbers, then you're not going to know what's working and what's not working in your practice. And therefore, you're not going to know what to keep doing more of and how to scale up and how to create stability within your practice. Um, the, you also need to track all the, the metrics and kind of conversion points from your your marketing in this, in my case, and, and in our case, our digital marketing, which is mostly what we focus on when we talk about marketing um, uh, on this show and in all of my content. Some really important numbers you need to know for your marketing metrics are the amount of traffic you're getting and out of that number, how your website conversion rate, your website conversion rate. So out of 
out of all the people that came to your website this week, how many people actually reached out through your contact form or a call? That is your website conversion rate. Again, and my fully booked students know exactly how to track this using our owner dashboard tool. Um, from there, you need to track how what your conversion rate is for those initial inquiries, right? And again, my students know exactly what this number is. So those are three conversion points, three of many numbers that you need to be tracking within your KPIs. But those are three conversion points that you really need to know. And you need to know those numbers cold. So your traffic, let's say you have 100 people coming to your site this week, and then your website conversion rate. And in my program, we track around 6% right? Which sounds really small, but that is actually higher than a lot of therapist websites. So out of a hundred people, can you imagine that out of a hundred people that came to your site, let's say six people inquire this week, and then you need to know your initial um, inquiry conversion rate. So you know that conversion rate as well. Um, if you if you're not in fully booked and you do want to make sure you're tracking all these numbers and you have a comprehensive tool to track all the metrics in your business, um, you can actually get our our fully booked owner dashboard at privatepracticeworkshop.com. You can actually buy that tool separately, um, so you can head there right after this episode or right now and grab that tool so that you can track all that stuff and more client attention, client retention and attrition, all the KPIs of your marketing. Um, your referral sources. Um, uh, you can do some cash flow projections. Um, it's a really, really powerful tool. So again, you can go to privatepracticeworkshop.com and click on owner dashboard right now if that's a tool that you want to get and start using in your practice. <clears throat> so we made it. That is um, that is roughly <laughs> what I would do if I had to start all over again. So just high level view again from top to bottom. I would find a guide I would make a plan to get clients. I would sublease an office and grow slowly with my caseload. I would figure out my fees based on what I want to make and then charge 20 or 50 hours more than I'm comfortable with. I'd learn personal finance, read no more than two to three business books to start, and I listed a few. I would learn how to handle initial inquiry calls, learn how to set expectations with clients in the beginning, and I would track all of my numbers really closely using my owner dashboard. Um, that is exactly what I would do. So there's a lot of, there, there are a lot of points to get lost and overwhelmed in building and growing a private practice, no matter what stage you're in. But again, there's a lot of help to be found as well. Um, so I hope this was helpful. This is exactly what I would do if I had to, to start over again. And um, I wish I had more help starting out. But again, this is how I got here in the first place of helping therapists through all of these challenges and more. So if I can help you at all, all you have to do is head to privatepracticeworkshop.com right now to get some help to find out how we can help. That's privatepracticeworkshop.com to find out exactly how we can help and, and the best option for you. Um, the other way that you can help us is you can tell a friend about this show. You can make sure you're subscribed to this show wherever you're listening. You can leave a review on iTunes. Um, and uh, again, you can reach out with any feedback. So help us spread the word about this show, especially now that we're back and we're, we're rocking and rolling in a new season, uh, weekly episodes every Wednesday. Um, uh, make sure that you, you're subscribed and you are not going to miss the next 
episode. So um, again, it's good to be back, you guys. Um, thanks for your patience and waiting. I hope you kind of took care of yourselves over the break and, and relaxed a bit. Um, and now we can kick things up again and um, get ready to work on our businesses together. So I hope you like this. I hope you like this new kind of format for the podcast. And again, a good blend of, of kind of structured and, and spontaneous as always. And um, I just really appreciate you being here. So that's it for now. Um, Again, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Um, I hope you have a great week. Take care of yourselves. Um, Doing great work out there in the world. And I look forward to seeing you again very soon next Wednesday. All right. Cheers. Cheers.